Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. I know we missed last week's episode. Obviously, Mother Nature decided to cancel that on us, Yeah, to say the least, a yeah. random snowstorm in April. That was gone two days later reasons i wish i had a better explanation but i i had had an explanation for you it hits 70 like two days later oh i know but trying to predict the weather up here in upstate new york is very very tough to do true you roll the dice and take the chances but folks you have not missed that roll you have definitely hit the jackpot with this episode of the odph and we definitely want to interact with you so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. We interact with everybody. Check out Parlay Point's new blogs drop in, especially one concerning our second segment, which I want to tease a little bit. Oh. I was surprised we got an email from an old friend. So we'll fill you in about that a little later in the show. T Public Store sale going on this week as we are recording. So you definitely want to make sure you swing on over there. Go get some ODPH swag. There is so much good stuff there. I tell you what, you can just get lost there, and you'll save yourself some money. I mean, perfect way to do this. All of that, the classifieds, the directory. If it is the ODPH, it can simply be found at odphpodcast.com. But kicking off the sports edition of the podcast, we have to talk some basketball. Yeah. So, Pad, the NBA playoffs are going on. Yes, they are. Let's get a recap because, unfortunately, one series has stolen the headlines from everybody and for the wrong reasons. Well, wrong reasons, maybe. It depends on how you're looking at it. Uh, of course, the series we are talking about is the Boston Celtics, who were taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Boston was the number two seed. Brooklyn was the number seven seed. And, of course, we've got Boston coming in high expectations, given it comes with the name and all the championships hat they have. And then you got Brooklyn in the roller coaster, I guess you could say, they had of a season. High expectations. A lot of people picking them to win the NBA championship, win it all. You had a pretty solid lineup they had down there, at least on paper, with Durant, Kyrie, James Harden. And you get partway through the season, James Harden is gone, in comes Ben Simmons. Kyrie missed half the year because of his choices. Kyrie comes back, they make the playoffs, they win the playing game. You know, and then they get into the, this first round of the playoffs, and game one was a little close. You know, we're not for, I believe it was the Marcus Smart. Uh, it was either Smart or Tatum. I forget who it was. Mm-hmm. At the end of the first game, hit the, like, point three, point one, whatever. It was under five. It was under one second. Uh, game winner against them. Oh, shit. And, you know, we'll put them up one uh, game to none over Brooklyn. Uh, fast forward three games later, and you've now got the Brooklyn Nets, who are the first and only team in the playoffs to be swept out of the first round. So let's break this down, shall we? For the rest of the Eastern Conference, you have Miami, who's running away against Atlanta. Uh, up 3-1. to one. 
You have Philly that's actually kind of in a very intriguing story that yeah. they were up 3-1, but Toronto is scrapping with them, so it's currently 3-2. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee is definitely taking advantage of an injury-plagued Chicago Bulls team. Uh, who's also going to be missing Zach Levine tonight because he's entered health and safety protocol. Yeah, so it's it's a wrap for them. So the Eastern Conference, the only story going on is with Brooklyn, and there's no other story in the Western Conference that has as much sizzle. I know we should be talking about Phoenix and New Orleans, which is tied, tied at two. Tied at two. Uh, I believe New Orleans has only got like 30-some-odd wins. So like, I, There's some bizarre stat I heard. I can't remember it. But it was like the win percentage differential. If New Orleans wins, it'd be the highest differential between the two teams or some shit like that. But it's the fact that New Orleans, who's the eight seed, going up against Phoenix, the one seed, the series is tied 2-2. And if you were coming out of a coma, you'd think, oh, this has got to be because Zion Williamson. No, Zion ain't playing. No. This is completely... <laughs> illogical to break down because New Orleans really had a scrap to get here. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. But the fact Phoenix is just not producing right now. I mean, this is something where you're overlooking an opponent maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe. They're, I know they've kind of had their injury bug as well too, but yeah, this yeah. is something that we should be talking about, but we're not. And even the Dallas-Utah series where Dallas is up 3-2, that's been a great series yeah. to watch very back and yeah. forth. Golden State doing Golden State things. Uh, yeah. They're in rare, they're in easy form, so they're oh, gonna, yeah. they're up three one on Denver. And then the series that another one that everybody should be talking about is Memphis and Minnesota. Yeah, Memphis the two seed, Minnesota the seven seed, currently tied two games apiece. Right, but nobody is talking about that. If you've gone on sports programming in the past forty eight hours, about the only other thing they're talking about when it comes to the NBA playoffs that isn't Boston Brooklyn related is the bromance going on between Carl Anthony Towns and Ja Morant's father. Yeah. Which I love. It's, oh, it's, it's great. It's amazing. It's great. And I, and I like stories like that. But no, we are so obsessed with the downfall of the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. And as a Knicks fan, I'm here for it. I am celebrating. But it's also puzzling to see how quickly that castle came crashing down. Uh-huh. Because let us talk about this team for this year. Okay. Brooklyn came in, and obviously this was year two of the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant experiment. Yes. James Harden, they forced that deal out of Houston to get him there. Everybody had them penciled in. They're going to run away with the East. They're going to be like losing 10 games if lucky. I mean, there was the one video clip that's been getting circulated around. I don't remember if it was from this offseason or a couple years ago. But Durant, oh, Boston is going to have problems with us. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. They kept talking all that trash this entire year. And then, well, the drama started unfolding. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie, obviously because of his vaccination choices, uh, he's not, uh, was not able to play home games uh, because they are in the borough of Brooklyn, which is in the state of New York, Mm -hmm. uh, or the city, which is in the city of New York, I should say. This wasn't a state rule. This was a city rule. And the city rule was if you are not vaccinated, you could not go into public places. So as Kyrie Irving was not vaccinated, which he has made very publicly clear, Mm -hmm. he could not play home games, which in theory, they're like, okay, he can't play home games, but he can play away games outside of California because California also had the same rule that New York City did. All right, so that rules out, you know, California games. Not that big a deal. That's still, you know, 40 whatever games, you know, he can play on the road. Uh, But then the team decided, no, you're not going to play those. You're just going to sit at home. Exactly. And to see how the culture of winning severely was not there this season uh-huh. really came back to haunt them because Kevin Durant, I will give him this. On the court, he plays hard every night. Oh, absolutely. I will not question that about the man. 
However, though, dealing with the media and dealing with the drama, and there's no other way to describe the atmosphere in Brooklyn other than dramatic, is another story. Uh-huh. He is not helping his cause and did not help them the entire year, in my opinion. Motherfucker got thin skin. Exactly. Sorry, but it is what it is. It's true, though, but we've known about this for quite a while. The rumored burner Twitter account, obviously dealing with the backlash from leaving Oklahoma City to join your rivals after they beat you with Golden State, and then after he got his chip, everything fell apart there. Right. So the stigma has been around him about him having thin skin. I mean, it is what it is. Perception is reality. And then when they he decided to go to Brooklyn and form the franchise there, uh-huh. he personally picked out Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie has never been somebody to shy away from the drama. No. I mean, let's face it, ever since he's been in the league, he was in Cleveland. Yeah. And he was the superstar after LeBron had left to go to Miami. The uh, apparent savior. Mm-hmm. LeBron comes back. Yep. They win a chip. Yep. It's a magical run for them. Yep. And then suddenly he can't handle being second fiddle. Poor Kevin Love is caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. So Kyrie finds his way to Boston. Which on paper at the time we're like, all right, not bad. It works. Boston had always had a solid team. Yeah. And he was going to be the face of the franchise. He even said to people, I'm not going to leave if you'll have me back. Oh, yeah. It was the big thing at the beginning of the year. He publicly told those fans. Never forget. He said that right in the middle of center court. If you have me back, I'll, I'll stay here. Right. But then that got toxic again, too, because he decided to go form a super team. He couldn't win with a Boston team that was in the stages. And I'll say it right now. As a Knicks fan, I hate saying this, but uh-huh. Boston right now is built to win for the next few years. Oh, absolutely. And if you don't believe it, you're not watching basketball. I don't know what else to tell you right now. Brad Stevens, who's the general manager there, is doing a phenomenal job. Exactly. He has built a monster team there held by arguably the next superstar in the league, Jason Tatum. Well, and you got to give Marcus Smart credit, too, because those two guys, if you look back a couple of years ago, were really getting pushed around. Mm. You know, but they've bulked up and they've sized up a bit that, well, now they're doing the pushing. Exactly. So Boston has been built now for a, a deep run. They're ready to go. So when you start talking about, oh, the shifting of power from the Western Conference to the East, I know it's been kind of in debate. Okay, what are we going to do here? X, right. Y, and Z. Boston is going to be one of those focal teams that is going to have that shift there. They are doing it. They are playing the best team basketball mm-hmm. in all of the NBA. Mark the tape. They are playing both sides of the ball. Excellent. And they are definitely imposing their will on teams. So when Kyrie decided to leave and go to Brooklyn, and this became the big splash, and I will admit, and I've always said this on this podcast, originally I was hoping they came to New York and they came to the Knicks. A lot of tape of that. Uh Uh-huh. And I've never shied away with saying I've never been more glad to be wrong in my life because they have created this culture of dysfunction Mm -hmm. in Brooklyn ever since they've been there. They had the team ready to go. Kyrie has been just dramatic with everything going on with him. Oh, yeah. Stephen A. Smith, I believe, even called him, to paraphrase, the most selfish player in all of professional sports. Uh, One of them, yeah. I think these days that honor goes to Ben Simmons, but yeah. But that goes there, too, as well, because obviously last year, oh, they didn't have enough pieces to make the run. Yep. They went out. They forced that deal with Houston. They get James Harden, who, I mean, we heard the rumors of 
the secret games in LA that they were oh, playing yeah. and, and, and yeah, such. Well, they've, they've mended fences, you know, but the thing is Harden's obviously a very good player. I mean, look at the stats. The dude's got more triple doubles than I'll ever have cars. Mm-hmm. You know, he's obviously a very good scorer, but just never been able to get it together. I mean, even look at some of those teams he had in Houston, Yeah, you know, with all those guys, just in hindsight, 2020 made sense at the time. Looking back now, no way it could have worked. No, it was never going to work because, I mean, there's just too many egos involved there, and that's the problem that they have. But this is a situation where the Nets have done it to themselves. Mm -hmm. Their general manager, Sean Marks, definitely has created this monster. They have to now find a way to deal with it. The owner, Joan Tazai, Mm-hmm. he's got to take some fault for this as well. Oh, absolutely. Too. I think because Irving and Durant are obviously very good players. They're superstars. Oh, absolutely. I'm the, they're, they're superstars. But I think the issue of it is, is you've got two guys who are superstars, but neither of them are the type to really take hold of a team and be the leader. Mm-hmm. Guys will listen to Durant and they'll listen to Irving, but that's I think more out of reverence and respect for who they are and their level of talent with amongst their teammates. Neither one of them, and and the reason I say this is, look at Durant's track record when he was in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Made all those runs, even made it to the finals the one time. Sure, never won the chip. Mm-hmm. Joined a seventy-three win team and won a chip. Yeah, he won two MVPs, and he made a lot of contributions to that team in the finals, hence why he won the MVPs. But it's like being, you know, the brush that gets put in a a brand-new Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it looks real sexy. You're the brush in the brand-new Ferrari, but it's a fucking Ferrari. You know, he joined a 73-win fucking Warriors team. Like, okay, yeah, it added a little bit to it, but what did did it really make the team all that much better? So he won the chips. Now he's out here in Brooklyn... What the fuck has he done? Same thing with Kyrie. Kyrie had the run with LeBron where obviously had they have not run into the Warriors for, you know, eight, nine straight years or whatever the hell it was, mm-hmm. might have won more championships because he had LeBron there. LeBron, mm-hmm. Arguably, the reason they were there year in and year out was because of LeBron, and that was LeBron in his prime. Yes. Where he's not as injured as he is these days. You know, and once Kyrie left LeBron... How deep has he really made it in the playoffs? Maybe past the first round? Yeah, I mean, they have not really done anything to write home about. Yeah. And this is a team that everybody anointed to get to the finals. I know at the preseason it was going to be Brooklyn and L.A. getting there. The Lakers have had their own problems, and Russell Westbrook had one of the worst years in recent memory. Well, the Lakers got their own issues. I mean, injuries notwithstanding. And Also, also, listen, their lineup looks really good if you're playing NBA 2K, Mm -hmm. but let's face it, that roster is old. Yeah. Dwight Howard, LeBron, you know, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony. There's a lot of tread on those tires, and there is a lot of load management you're going to have to do with those those tires yeah it's not built to win a long season like this oh i agree with you completely they had one more shot to win i think it's probable that that window is closed i think so i mean i i don't want to i say... would barring like some sort of freak circumstance and freak set of uh, situations i maybe but like in terms of like they're gonna run the table and win the whole damn thing no you gotta have a weird set of circumstances that makes it happen exactly i mean i agree with you too I, and obviously they can do a lot of work in the offseason i'll give them that oh sure it's the lakers but yeah exactly the lakers are actually going to be rebounding quicker than brooklyn here because this is where the situation lies the culture that has been built there is not built to win no 
you're facilitating your two superstars who have immense egos, uh-huh. but are not leaders on that court. No, they're not. They, the, neither one of them is the type of guy that will take over the game, be the voice in the locker room, you know, like a Steph Curry, like a LeBron, you know, like a Giannis, you mm-hmm. know, you like a Chris Paul, you know. Like some of these other, like you can just go through NBA teams and pick out, okay, that's probably the guy that is the voice in the locker room. They'll make their feelings known, but neither one of them like the, all right, let's go, guys. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. They're too used to coasting. I mean, it. I hate saying it, but it's the truth. I mean, you look at what they've done or lack thereof. Yeah. How are you going to tell me otherwise? Yeah, sure. They've contended. They did make a run a little bit last year. Sure. I mean, they made it past the first round, but then they lost. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Nobody remembers how you did in the second round unless you go to the finals or win the chip. Uh-huh. That's the the cold hard truth of sports. Sure, you can get a participation trophy all you want, but nobody remembers that yep. except you. Yep. But to see how this team did and then the ultimate anchor in the ocean, so to speak, for them is you traded James Harden. Uh-huh. For one Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, what was it? Seth Curry was involved. There's a couple other guys involved. Mm-hmm. And at the time, everyone's looking like, "Oh my god." Brooklyn flees Philly. How the hell can you let this happen? And, uh, Ken, how many minutes has Ben Simmons played in the NBA this season? Zero. As many as you and I and as many as probably most of you listening at home. You know, which he's got his own thing, you know, whatever it is. The supposed back issue, the supposed other stuff he's trying to figure Mm -hmm. out, that's fine and dandy. But, like, don't come out and have them say, what was it, Friday, Saturday? Oh, he's going to play game four. And then we get to the day before, and oh, just kidding. He's not playing. The one aspect that I find questionable, and I know that he's came out and they said about his mental health, and I'm not taking any shots at that. I'm, sure. I'm saying if he's physically able to go, this is where I kind of have the issue with. On team sports, you're in the playoffs. Uh-huh. That is your season. Yep. Anything else prior doesn't matter. No. It's lose and go home. So as a teammate, if you are – ready to play. And if he wasn't, he shouldn't have been on the sidelines. No, absolutely not. You don't come down there, and I know on First Take and a few of the other sports programs, they pointed this out, and I fully agree. You don't come out dressed like you're going to Fashion Week. Nope. To draw that much attention to you on the sidelines. Nope. Suit, tie, that's it. Yeah, whatever is going on there, if he wasn't ready to go for the team for whatever reason physically. Right. And and there, you know, there are claims that oh he still wasn't hundred percent. Find me a player, past or present, mm-hmm. who was ever reaching this point of the season and was a hundred percent. Yeah. Michael Jordan in his prime would reach this point and never be a hundred percent. The late Kobe Bryant was never a hundred percent at this point. Christ, there were probably a couple playoffs. Kobe was playing with dislocated joints and ligaments. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be 100% when you reach this point in the playoffs. If you're good enough to go, even if it's not the full amount of minutes you normally play a game, if you can contribute 5, 10 minutes mm-hmm. during a game, that's all that matters. I fully agree with you, and that's the problem that they have here. He was not committed to the team. Nope. And you have to question that. And like I say, I, I'm excluding anything about the mental health thing. Because I don't know. Because if he's not mentally right to play, then he shouldn't be down there. No. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. If your head's not in it to play the game, don't be there. Exactly. You can't be there. Because if you're good enough to show up, you're not good enough to play? Yeah, especially if you're, if you're giving a... The a, optics a, are bad. Exactly. That's, that's the problem with it. So if he's not ready to go, he shouldn't be there. No. 
And if you if you keep saying, well, he's going to play game three, he's going to play game four. If you keep pushing, then you are telling us the way I'm interpreting that he mm-hmm. is physically and mentally ready to go. And he, and he wasn't even contributing anything, at least from what I could tell. Uh, there was some other player, I forget who it was, but there was somebody that was fairly, not like a super mega star, but like fairly well-known, uh, mostly well-known player. And I'm sure somebody's going to be screaming it listening to their this this episode but like they weren't playing that night for whatever reason whether it was injury night off whatever they were still on the sidelines coaching and telling them hey here's i'm i'm sitting here watching this why don't you try to do this why don't you try to do that what was simmons doing sitting there with his thumb up his ass yeah i mean the optics just tell a different story than whatever you're going to try telling us that's the issue you have because after they got him out of philly uh-huh. and how toxic things got there uh-huh that you can play with Joel Embiid. They got him into a situation which, honestly, on paper, is perfect for him. Oh, yeah. Because he's a guard who who doesn't like to shoot. And he doesn't have to when you've got Irving and Durant. Yeah, so if you facilitate him, do they just hit, needs to go play a forward position for the lack so of a Scott, better it's term? The Scottie, or it's the Dennis Robin role. Don't score. Just get rebounds. Yeah, like it, if he can contribute that and give you 10 minutes where he takes some pressure off your shooters. Yeah. You've done the job. That's all you need to do for this team. But if you're saying that you're not ready to go for whatever reason, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be there. And that's the situation because what you're saying is on the sideline, if your PR people are mentioning, oh, that he's going to be coming back for the playoffs, he's going to be coming here. Oh, yeah. If you're pushing that narrative, then that is saying that he's ready to play. Yeah. And that, the fact that you came out Friday, Saturday, or whatever, it was 72 hours before the game, that, oh, yeah, you know, Ben Simmons is going to play game four. Stephen A. Smith on NBA Countdown goes, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. When So, I mean, when the optics are coming off like that, there's something else going on. And and even then, when I was watching First Take on Monday, you know, they were talking about the whole thing, and one of their reporters who covers the Nets fairly regularly was asking all the players, you know, in uh, practice and other stuff, like, oh, is Ben Simmons going to play? Every single one of them told this reporter, oh. Yeah, nobody knows nobody what's going knows. on. See, that's the problem you have there. You look at the great organizations that are in the, in the sports leagues. Yeah. You can take a look at wherever you want to go. Sure. The great ones know the business of their talent that they have on their teams. Yeah. Everybody knows what they're doing with that team. If they don't, guess what? They're not there. Or you know what? They have an answer for it. Nobody goes, I don't know. Because how you're saying that is your teammates and the people around there are saying, well, he's ready to go, but he's not suiting up. Yep. Well, why not? I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, so you're going to come down there, hang out, but you're not ready to play? Well, yeah. well why not? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, it, it, to, it looks like you're quitting on him. Yeah, th- that's exactly what it looks like. For whatever fucking petty reason he's got, and I know he's got the grievance filed with the NBA for the $20 million he's supposedly owed, and there's been stories and rumors going back and forth about how, you know, that's the only reason he was on the sidelines is to keep up the optics, and so it looked like he was – it would help him in his case to get the $20 million. And there's rumors his team wanted him to sit in the sideline last night, you know, with his with his uh, gear on but not play. Just, but they, they thought it would hurt his, his grievance with the NBA. Motherfuckers, stop. If you're trying to stop. if you're trying to work that, I mean, you should. The, Hire a new legal team. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry. That's, that's just nonsense. Like, that is one of the most dumb reasons to do what you're doing, if that is the case. I'm sorry. If you're that worried about your $20 million lawsuit, you said? Yep. Then you're not there for the right reasons. No. And you're becoming a distraction on a team that 
is not strong to deal with pressure to begin with. And it's going to end up costing everybody. And his his antics and then the, the stuff surrounding Kyrie is going to end up costing players. Oh, when, when the next CBA comes up. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they're they're going to be. The, the, it's it's sad, but it's going to be the actions of a few are going to affect the actions of all. Because again, say what you will about him, if whether love him or hate him, you still got to take what Stephen A. Smith said on first take into account because he's covered the NBA for like three decades, mm-hmm. and he's covered four collective bargaining agreements. So he's he's been around the block when it comes to this stuff, and they got to be coming up on one soon. But with all this stuff, he said on first take the other day. You know, I've never seen in the owners I've spoken to the owners so unanimously in sync about an opinion like I've seen players skipping out. Yeah, like they they're seeing it. So, like I said, if he is really not in good condition, he shouldn't be there. He should no. go. And he should go get the treatment that he needs. Like I I, I'm, I will fully say that. If this is all a ploy to sell the story of your lawsuit, yeah, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. And this is the type of drama that has been allowed to build in Brooklyn now for two years. Yep. And this is not coming to an easy end. I heard the press conference after. Oh, yeah. And if I am a Brooklyn Nets fan, I am very, very worried. Yeah, Kyrie wants to stay with uh, Durant in Brooklyn, and they really want to manage the team. Motherfucker, how about you show up? Mm-hmm. Because they threw up a stat on, I was watching uh, Get Up this morning on ESPN. They threw up a stat that I, and it was in the corner, so you could almost miss it. But I caught it. I was, thought this was very interesting. Including the playoffs for Kyrie Irving's uh, Brooklyn Nets career 116 games played, 118 games missed. That's ridiculous. And now. I'm sure some of those could be for injuries. Sure. Legitimate injuries like, oh, my finger's broken or some bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. But he's played 116 games. He's missed 118, and that's including the playoffs. You want to sit there and tell me, oh, we want to manage, you know, oh, me and I want to manage the team with Durant. You were supposed to have played like 250 some odd games together. Mm-hmm. You've only played 58. Yeah. Now, granted, Part of that was the first year Irving was there. Durant was out because he had the Achilles injury. Sure, he's he got coming back. Yeah. But still, you had the opportunity for 250-plus games to play together, and you played 58. You got to actually fucking show up for work if you want to If you want to be in that kind of, quote-unquote, management position. That's like me not showing up to my work, my, my job, you know, three days out of the week, but still expecting a promotion to manager. Yeah, you just it's don't. not going to happen. You don't do it. In fact, the scariest quote, just to reaffer, reiterate this, from the press conference to quote Kyrie, when quote when I say I'm here with Kev, that entails us managing this franchise together along with Joe and Sean. End quote. So, you're now asserting yourself that you are part of the managerial portion of this organization. Man missed half the year and gave himself a promotion. Like, I'm sorry, you don't have that swing. And I understand that the NBA is a little more flexible, sure, just from the optics of letting the players run sure. run the teams. You know, just because we see now the formation of super teams all the time. So sure. this is a situation that has become the norm. And I and I it drives me nuts from a competitive standpoint. Uh-huh. I understand though it it happens and listen. You really see what teams are made of because for, ever since the super team era has happened, how many of them have won chips? Yeah. You know that have come together not by the draft. Right. Cuz Golden State I would say is the closest to a real super team. But they were smart because they did everything via the draft. Draft, yeah. You know, and, and like minor free agency here and sure, there. Sure, yeah. Everybody didn't go 
make a decision on ESPN that they're going to South Beach and have right. their buddies come and meet them there. Right. Or, you know, in the situation of Boston where they were very smart with the original super team, I would yeah. say, with yeah. Rondo, um, Paul no, Pierce. No, it was Pierce, Allen, and Garnett. Yes, thank you. Um, so, like I say, in those kind of situations, but how many times did they win consistently each and every year? Right. Boston was there for a few years, but mm-hmm. then Miami came along and kind of was that buzzsaw. Right, because but they gave the blueprint of how to do right, it. But then right. they go to the finals four years, they go two and two. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Yeah. You know, so when you're looking at how these super teams are put together, are they really worth the struggle? And especially now with Kyrie and Kevin leading the ship here, and especially handpicking their coach too. Yeah. And let's say Steve Nash is definitely at fault here too. He's not escaping this. I mean, yes and no. I I don't want to put the full blame on him for this. No, not full blame, but he gets blamed. He gets blamed, but like it's the what did you expect? The dude's got a great mind for basketball, and he's one of the best NBA point guards of all time. You know, depending on where you rank him, you know. But at the same token, he has never coached basketball of any level or of any experience from, you know, ABA or the youngest basketball association all the way up to college or the NBA mm-hmm. prior to this season. Why the fuck would you do this? It makes no goddamn sense. I It would have made more sense if you'd have gone off and gotten a, you know, a, a guy who's been on the bench behind Popovich or somebody from the Riley, Pat Riley tree or the Phil Jackson tree. Mm-hmm. But... Steve Nash and his first coaching experience? What? Exactly. But this is, like I say, you let the inmates run the asylum. And for what is going on here, I'm going to say a very cold, hard truth to Brooklyn fans. You need to implode this team. Uh Uh-huh. You're not going to want to hear this. You're going to say, wait, this is an overreaction. No, it's not. If If I am the ownership of Brooklyn, if I'm Joe Tesai and I'm Sean Marks, I am making drastic changes this offseason. Uh-huh. The only player that I think is safe from the ones we have mentioned right now is Kevin Durant because I will say this. He has played through a lot of injuries this year. Sure. He is still I don't think ever really fully recovered from his Achilles tear. I don't I don't think so. In Golden State. I don't think but so. But he's given you everything he can. Yeah. But he looked drained mm-hmm. this entire playoff mm-hmm. run. I, th- I think he might have had a nagging injury because he did look he did not look as fresh as he normally does, which, granted, like I said, nobody's fresh and 100% at this point in the season, but for what you would expect from him at this point in the year, just didn't look like he had at all. No, I mean, he was he was gassed. I mean, you can you can see it in him. I mean, just everything. Well, when you there. got a guy showing up half the year and not giving a fuck. Well, that's the problem, but you created this monster too. Like, you are all responsible for what is there. Because I genuinely believe Kyrie does not give a fuck. No, he doesn't look, look care. At, look at that press conference. When most instances, any sport, you get eliminated in the playoffs. If anything gets brought up in the press conference about next year mm-hmm. or the or the, the upcoming season, even if you're on a contract year and your, contract's up, your contract is technically up at the end of the calendar year for the sport because, oh, you know, that's that's my contract's up at the end of the year for the sport. You know, most guys, when the future gets brought up, or, oh, you're going to resign, most guys are like, you know what, I don't want to think about that right now. I'm still thinking about what just happened. I'll revisit that with the team down the road. Mm-hmm. Reporter asked that to Kyrie after the game. What did he say? Oh, of course I'm coming back. Kyrie does not give a fuck. No, he doesn't because, you know what, I understand why he wants to come back. It's not to come back for the right reasons. They let him run crazy and do whatever he wants. Oh, yeah, he can show up and play when he wants. Yeah. Like, ever since this has been built since 2019, I honestly thought it was shorter. But, no, it's been since 2019. 
So that's my mistake. It, on that it's one. shorter in the amount of time they've played because, like we mentioned, Durant right. was out the one year. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like they've been here this long. But yet here we are. Yeah, and yet these are still the problems that are happening. And if you're the Nets organization. You keep Durant. You try flipping Kyrie somewhere. You have to because Durant has been there for you. Durant has laid it all out there for you. Mm-hmm. Kyrie is fickle as they fucking come. Yeah. You look at what happened during the, the season that got shortened because of the pandemic, and mm-hmm. he and he no showed and he told people not to come, and then he didn't show, and then you get to the following season where he didn't want to play and this and that, and then you had the nonsense where, oh, I don't want to play. i got, I got to sit back and reflect on the troubles of the world. Yeah. You know, and then, oh, I'm, I, I'm not going to get the vaccination because of my own personal beliefs, and I'm really going to, you know, bail out on my team. But, oh, hey, I'm still here for him. I'm still here for him. Fucker, please. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> there is no excuse for it. Well, he, the, the only thing I could say about Durant is he's thin-skinned as fuck, but at least he shows up and he balls. He'll ball. Like I say, he'll give you everything he can, but... Thin-skinned as fuck. You know, that's the whole problem with him. So, you have to get somebody around Durant. Like, I don't know who you can trade for, because obviously it's like, who? And no, I don't see them working a deal out with the Lakers for oh, Westbrook. Fuck so no. no. don't even bother asking me about this. The argument is going to be, can you move Kyrie and what organization is willing to take a risk on him? Right. There, There is somebody. There, somebody will do it. Somebody will do it. I am just I can't really give you a name of who. Yeah. That's the problem. Like would I say if you tried shipping him out west, maybe a Dallas. Yeah, maybe. Because Dallas Dallas likes to take risks on some people. Yeah. And obviously give Luca some help. Yeah. That well, would Luca needs some help. That would be a, a good place to land. Uh yeah, I know he wouldn't go to Sacramento because I think oh, you could definitely God, but, no. but you could definitely work draft picks and get some talent there. I mean, there are places if you can really work some deals to go. I think Dallas yeah. Dallas is the one that was kind of jumping at me a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's just gonna depend on if if Brooklyn does want to send him. Keep your your requests low mm-hmm. so that way if you do really want to get rid of him, you have a chance of getting rid of him. Don't put the asking price astronomical because then you're just gonna be stuck with this he- headache next year. Exactly. That's the problem you're gonna have because I believe he has one more year left on his contract and then he's gone. So but if I'm the Nets, I try moving him now. Do what you can. It doesn't make sense. You're not helping your organization in any which way, shape, or form. You're not. Mm-hmm. And as for Ben Simmons, I'll right release him. Yeah. Listen, the experiment is not working. Nope. And if these... He's using you for his own ends. Yeah. So if you feel like getting worked, keep him on the roster because from the aesthetic that your team has projected out, he's fine. Yeah. He can play. He doesn't want to then why do you want him on your roster? Why do you want him in the capital of New York basketball? Yeah. Which is Brooklyn in the in the garden. Like I said, you got him in It's all in the same location. It, it's it's all there where basketball is is probably the biggest sport in New York City. Probably. Cuz I, I will say this, if the Knicks ever win a championship, Aye. the it'll be a bigger riot than you've ever seen than the Yankees or the Rangers win in the cup. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Yeah. And we don't even need to talk about the Giants and Jets. It don't matter. This is a situation you have. The Jets won a championship. There'll be more heart attacks than anything. No, no, it'd be a shock if anything. But with Brooklyn being the heart and soul of basketball yeah. in New York City, yeah. you can't keep him on there. No, you've you've tried this experiment. You know, he he's bailed on you at least two, three times. Mm-hmm. You you cannot depend on this guy. He has shown his colors. You know what he is, and he's not going to change. 
you know, he's set in his ways, and, and that's fine. You know, do you, boo-boo. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know what you're going to get with this guy. You know, and, and I honestly, if I'm a teammate in that locker room that's not named Kevin Durant or Ben Simmons, I would not trust this guy. I don't trust him. In fact, I would say out of this situation, I have no idea where Ben Simmons would end up. I think he'd be out of the league. I think so, too, just because you look at the nonsense he pulled in Philly and now the nonsense he's pulling here, you can't trust him. He's going to he's gonna use you to his own ends. Yeah. I mean, the track record speaks for itself. It is an interesting slope that they have to now walk. And I also think Steve Nash has got to go. Why Mark Jackson has not been talked about for coming in to coach and rebuild that team is beyond me. This team is getting floated around, I know, with the Lakers. I know it is. But you know what? Obviously, at this stage of the game, you got to bring him in. You got to bring in somebody that's going to be hard nosed and somebody that's not going to oh, be yeah. afraid to no, do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you do. You're not going to get Popovich out of San Antonio, no, but no. you need somebody that's not going to sit there and take any nonsense from a team that is not emotionally ready to handle the bright lights in Big City. I'm sorry. You need to get somebody in there that's fiery, that's going to get in their face, and is going to let them know. Like, this is a team. If you're not being part of the team, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting offseason now. And grow some fucking skin. Well, they're going to have to. If you're going to play in New York, you got to. No question about that. But that being said, ODPH Society, we have given you our take about the Brooklyn Nets, but we definitely want to hear yours. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the Brooklyn Nets' demise this year? And let's talk about some of the other playoff games. There's a lot of great series going on, but you wouldn't know about it if you're watching any sports media right now because all eyes are on Brooklyn. So let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk some football. Yeah. The NFL is ready to kick off its spring edition of business. I know we had free agency come and go. Yeah. But now is where all eyes are setting upon Las Vegas. Yep. And as no, it's not to crown the Raiders as champions yet. Shout out to Rich from 3FM. It is time to talk the NFL draft. Yeah. So this is where, for three days... The NFL hits the reset button. They try reassembling their teams via the free agent or free, via college drafting yep. of the players and really trying to fill in their rosters so they can really make a dent into the upcoming season along with the free agents that they have signed in the offseason. Mm-hmm. It is a major event because a team can really make or break their their franchise for the next few years. Oh yeah. With the right and wrong picks. So that being said, we are going to do our annual breakdown of the first 10 picks of the first round and then give you our picks for our teams and 
to complement this, as I talked about at the beginning of the show, a voice that we have not heard at the ODPH swung through via email Ooh. and sent his picks in. Ooh. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. Well, fucking hell, he's not dead. I know. I thought he was down in Brooklyn celebrating too much. I was trying to find him on some TikTok videos. I heard he was in Alabama trying to get an autograph from Nick Saban. Hey. We have heard so many rumors about Coach right now traveling that all of a sudden in the, in the inbox it came in. So that blog is up right now at odphpodcast.com on Parlay Points. Wait a minute. I just got a photo from him. Holy fuck, he's with John Calipari. Ooh. Ooh. I need that sent to me. I definitely do. But that being said, we have our picks ready to go for the first round of the uh, NFL draft. So let's talk about it. Yeah, so this, of course, is taking place uh, April 28th through the 30th. Uh, Round one takes place uh, this Thursday, April 28th. This is at 8 o'clock Eastern. I know it's going to be on ESPN, ABC, probably a whole bunch of others, NFL Network, a whole bunch of others. Uh, rounds two through three are Friday, April 29th. Also, that is at seven o'clock Eastern. And then the last day rounds four through seven are this coming Saturday, April 30th. And those start at noon Eastern. Uh, and just to run down the first 10 teams that have the picks in case you forgot and to refresh you, uh, the number one overall pick is of course held by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two are the Detroit lions. Three are the Houston Texans. Four are the New York jets. Five are the New York giants. Uh, six are the Carolina Panthers. Seven are the New York Giants again. Eighth are the, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Uh, The Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Number nine are the Seattle Seahawks. And then rounding out the top 10 picks are the New York Jets once again at number 10. Uh, Our collective, uh, or our two favorite teams, uh, are the New England Patriots are at the number 21 position. uh, And the Buffalo, Buffalo. Buffalo. uh, Flub of the tongue there. Uh, The Buffalo Bills are at the 25 pick. So that said, Jacksonville is back at number one. Shocker to no one. I mean, this has got to be rare form, you know, that you get the number one overall pick one year, and then the following year you get the number one overall pick again. I'm sure it's happened, but I can't remember. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I and I'm not saying, like, staying, like, the top five, but, like, to go back-to-back number one overall picks in consecutive years, boy, that's got to be rare. It's definitely rare, but let's face it, Jacksonville has been a shamble of an organization, in our opinion. Yeah. They've made some solid picks with the draft, but coaching-wise, hey. whole different ballgame. And obviously, there's a lot of drama about that last season, which you can listen to past episodes to catch up on. But now with that number one pick, Pat, who you got Jacksonville taking? I'm going to say uh, Trevon Walker, uh, the defensive end from Georgia. Obviously, they don't need really need a quarterback, which you might see at this position. They've already got Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I think they need to look at some, or start establishing something on the defensive side of the ball. You know, and, and I think this is a good uh, place to start it at. Yeah, I have to say that I think that they're definitely taking an edge here. And I know that Trevon Walker has been flying up the draft boards. Sure. He kind of came almost out of nowhere. I mean, obviously, he's going to be in a top 10 pick, but I think for the number one talk, this has uh-huh. been something very sudden because a lot of people have been picking Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Sure. And I thought he was going to go there, but I'm joining you with the Walker pick for Jacksonville. I think that there's got to be some buzz going around that he's just snuck up on the draft boards. He's going to leapfrog that position over Hutchinson. It's way too much smoke for there to not be fire. Yeah, something's going on there that if he's all of a sudden buzzing that high up there, it's there's got to be some truth to it. Yeah. I will say this, though. Coach Duffy's pick for number one, 
Evan Neal, tackle from Alabama. Holy fuck, it's not a Notre Dame guy. No, it's not. I'm actually surprised by this one, but this is his pick live from the draft. So Jacksonville is off the board, but Pat, who you got for Detroit? Uh, it's a name you mentioned. I've got uh, Aiden Hutchinson, once again, the defensive end uh, for Michigan going to Detroit. I mean, listen, Detroit needs a fuck ton of help, like including a kitchen sink amount of help, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they gave up a lot of points last year, and again, you needed somebody to anchor around and start that defense around, and I think Hutchinson can be that guy. I agree. I think that if Walker is off the board, Hutchinson is going to. It could flip-flop because, I mean, I could see Jackson. Jacksonville needs a lot mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. Their offense, if they can actually get everybody on the field, is not the worst. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, let's see what he's got. I'm, I'm not ready to say crown him he's a bust yet or anything, but he does need a lot of help. They overpaid for Christian Kirk to give him that help. Defense is where they need to go. Detroit is much the same conversation if you really want to break it down. Sure. Detroit is still living in the division of Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. You need to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers to hope to defeat him. Yeah. Detroit taking Hutchinson here or Walker would make the most sense. I'm going to say Hutchinson too because I'll I'll go with the pick I did. And I think that that could definitely help that organization because they weren't as bad as Jacksonville. No. I mean, obviously, we know how the records match up. It's like a 1A, 1B, but yeah. But you look at like the games that they were in, and Detroit had a little more upside to them than I think people are giving them credit for. Now, am I saying they're ready to make the playoffs? No, absolutely not. But I think the addition of Hutchinson would do wonders for them mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. So that being said, we're going to another team. I mean, this is how you know it's, it's the NFL draft because you're talking about franchises that Desperately need some help. Yeah. And I don't think we can find anyone in worse shape right now than the Houston Texans. It's it's real hard. I'm sure somebody out there can find something, but yikes. Yeah, it's it's definitely dicey. Pad, if you're the Houston GM, who are you taking here? Uh, this might be a little bit as bit of a surprise, but I think this is a position they really need to look at. Uh, and I think this is an opportunity that you've got a chance to take him now. And if you wait till later when you got another pick, he might not be there. Uh, and that is Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback from LSU. Uh, listen, you look at all the teams down in that, what is it, the AFC South division. Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously the Texans are picking him, but you've got the Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Tennessee Titans. Two of those three teams have real good offenses. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville. Maybe. Wait and see. You know, last season, not so much, but this season, night and day could be a night and day difference. Uh, Houston is real bad, and and I think if you're going to want to compete with the other teams in that division and just try to make the playoffs, you obviously need to address the uh, defensive side of the ball, and I think uh, the cornerback there would be a good start. They're definitely going defense with this pick. I mean, they need a lot of help everywhere, so honestly <laughs> – if the best player available is there, yeah, take him. Yeah, like, but I agree with you. I think that Stingley would be a good fit there. I think that it makes a lot of sense for them. Obviously, Houston just needs work. Period, and they yeah. need, and they need to find an identity too. So, I mean, that's going to be the situation for them moving forward. I'm not in love with any of the quarterbacks in this draft. No, not so not. so I would say ordinarily, like, yeah, there might be a place to start. But I'm going to be very honest. I think that they need to build up the defense, like almost try copying the Baltimore blueprint, Mm -hmm. almost to Mm -hmm. a degree. But there's so much work that needs to be done here. I mean, I think cornerback would be a good place for them to start. Now, oh, boy, 
our our friends in the division yeah. are up next, and that is those New York Jets. Well, obviously, last season did not go their way in oh. many, many facets. Oh. I still love watching that highlight of the Patriots playing them in the Meadowlands. Oh, my God. Just saying. I'm just saying. Like, where do you go? This this organization is one that also needs a lot of work, too. So, yeah. Pad, that said, if you're the Jets, who are you taking? It wouldn't surprise me if they trade this pick, you know, just because they've got this one and then they've got another one at 10. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go on the, you know, so I'm going to go with, like, a two one of two scenarios could happen. They could either trade this one between now and the draft. But if they don't, I think they're going to keep this one because – when we play fantasy football and, and draft, you like the old. If you get the right draft position, you like the old double dip. You know, if mm-hmm. you're if you're at the end of the first round or close to the end of the first round, it's real nice to not have to wait all that long where you can go, ah, I can get two real good players back to back. And I think the Jets can almost do something like that here. The Jets need a lot of help, like you mentioned. They maybe have a quarterback in Zach Wilson. Rookie season, not really much to write home about. Mm-hmm. Sophomore year, wait and see. But if you're going to have him have a good sophomore year, he needs pieces around him. One of the biggest issues he had sacks and not be having any time a day to get a pass off. So I think with that being said, they would be very smart in taking Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama. You know, yeah, there's a lot of wide receivers and there's a lot of running backs, you know, in this uh, class. But I think one of the main uh, needs they need to address is that offensive line, which was God fucking awful. Yeah, I can see that happening. See, with the Jets, they're in another situation that, like, where do you go and what can you do? Yeah. Fixing that offensive line would be good if you're fully in on Zach Wilson. Because, I mean, they need to address a lot of situations here. But for me, if I'm the Jets, I'm taking the cornerback that I think should go higher, but I think he's kind of fallen down on some draft boards, and it's kind of surprising. Sure. That's Sauce Gardner Mm. from Cincinnati. I think that he could definitely fill in some much-needed areas for the Jets, especially now with Tyreek Hill in Miami. Right. Stephon Diggs just re-upped in Buffalo. You're going to need somebody that can try slowing down an elite receiver. If Gardner is the lockdown guy that everybody keeps touting he is, that's your pick, and you're going to need to. But then again, with the Jets, it's anybody's guess. And I know that... They're looking pretty well on those draft picks this year. So. Yeah, that's true. So they got some wiggle room if they wanted to do something. But it all depends on where they think their biggest need is. But like I say, for me, if I'm the Jets, I'm addressing that defense because I know I can come back in at 10 and go get somebody. Mm-hmm. But that's where we are. Next up, though, hey. those New York football giants. Hey. Under a new regime, Brian Dabble is your head coach. Have fun with that one. Yeah. And this now becomes a situation of what does they want to find as their identity? Mm-hmm. What on, on the side of the ball, what do they really feel is going to be the best compliment for them? Mm-hmm. And is Daniel Jones really your guy? If he's not, what do you do here? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think any of the quarterbacks in this draft class are better than Danny Dimes. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, but the situation you're going to have is do you burn a draft pick here this high to – help a guy that's not going to be here next year or like how are you looking at it for your team see i think if i'm the giants i do take the draft pick but not for something on the offensive side of the ball i think you look on the defensive side of the ball. okay because you look at the again much in the same position the houston texans are in you look at that nfc east or in this case the nfc least Mm -hmm. you know you've got dak prescott in dallas he ain't going nowhere Mm -hmm. you've got uh what is it? Wentz is in Washington now. Is that who it is? I think I, I forget who it 
Carson. Yeah, Carson. Yeah, he's yeah. out of Indy. He's in. Uh, he's in Washington, and then you've got uh, you've got Philadelphia with their quarterback. I'm blanking on who it is at the moment. I apologize. Mm-hmm. But you've got three good quarterbacks, or at least decent quarterbacks, in that division. Obviously, you're going to need something on the defensive side of the ball to keep them contained or try to keep them contained. Uh, so I think in this instance, uh, the Giants would take, and I'm going to butcher the shit out of this name, so I apologize. Uh, Thibodeau? Thibodeau, yeah, the defensive end from Oregon. You know, like I said, need something on the defensive side. You got a lot of good quarterbacks, uh, I th- and I think he'd be able to get to the uh, quarterback real easy. I think that that would be a solid pick for them as well. But I am thinking that Dabble, knowing him as I do in Buffalo, He's going to go offensive line here. And it's not a bad pick to do. And I think he's going to go with a guy that was projected at number one, but I, I, they got him slipping a lot of places. And that's Iki Ekawanu okay. from North Carolina State. He's an offensive tackle. I think that that would be a good fit for that team, whether Danny Dimes is going to be there next season or not. It would give Saquon some help getting the ball past the, <laughs> the, yard, the line of scrimmage. You have to do something to build a team up here. And I know with the Giants, they have a lot of work. I mean, obviously, we were talking about they're looking to get rid of the last year's number one pick. I mean, there, there's just so much wild nonsense going on with this organization. Mm-hmm. That with the new regime coming in, I think they're going to go back to basics here. Maybe. And build that offensive lineup first. And then next year, they'll worry about a quarterback and figure out, okay, is Danny Dimes really going to be the guy or not? Mm-hmm. And I think with Dabble... I know they're expecting him to shoot lightning in a bottle again like he did with Josh Allen. I just don't think it's going to happen here. Not this year. No, but I think Ekwanu is going to be the guy that can at least solidify that line, and that's a situation they've needed help in for years. Let's be yeah. honest about that. Yeah. It's, a, it's an atrocious line. But now probably the one pick in the first round that I think everybody has really got their eyes on right now. Yeah. And that's who, Pat? Uh, that is the number six overall pick, which is going to the uh, Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Uh, I think actually this this where uh, what is it the uh, uh, Jets are going to make a trade with, okay. with the Panthers. They're going to move up from ten. They're going to get to six because they're going to see cornerback uh, Ahmed Gardner, the cornerback from Cincinnati, uh, because listen, it's the Jets and reasons. Yeah, this one, man, I don't know what Carolina is thinking. They are probably the biggest X factor here. And what I mean by this is we're looking at a team that needs a lot of help on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. There has been talk they're willing to move Christian McCaffrey at this stage, right? which is a little wild, but it is what it is. There has been talk that they are in the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. They do need a quarterback. Which, if you look at their social media of some of their players, they're not exactly too thrilled about that possibility. <laughs> so... I don't know what Carolina is going to do here, but I would say this. If there was a going to be a trade in that first round, this is where it happens. Yeah. And I fully see them doing something crazy here. I think that this is a situation where if they decide to make a trade for a quarterback somewhere or with a team that's looking to move up, that's going to happen here. Because I, yeah. I think that their quarterback situation – I know that this was projected to be the place where they go get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just don't see them doing it. There's a lot of teams in the top ten that we mentioned that aren't exactly chomping at the bit that need a quarterback. So you can almost wait. That's what I would do if I'm them. Like I, I don't make any idea to really go here. The one area I would do, like if I am Carolina, like I could see that trade happening, sure. especially with like the Jets who got some picks to move. Oh yeah. 
Kansas City is in talks too, which Ooh. is a little wild. That's interesting. Yeah, well, you know what? Losing Tyree Kill definitely got them a little scared. Yeah. So I I could see them trying to make a jump up. Albeit though, I think it's a little high to go get a wide receiver, but it could happen. Yeah, it could. So that's the one situation you gotta kind of factor in here. Because I think if I'm Carolina, I'm going offensive line. Because I think either I'm gonna draft a quarterback later or I'm gonna go get Baker Mayfield. Either way, I'm not moving that number one pick. I think this is where you go get an offensive line help. Okay. And you go get Charles Cross. He's the Mississippi State offensive tackle. Okay. So I think that you could definitely do that. So if you can give him some help, much like we talked about with Saquon, I think this would be a situation for Christian McCaffrey. If he's still going to be there, you give him some much-needed help to kind of get some holes made for him to run through. So I think this makes a lot of sense to do. Then, all of a sudden, who comes back? Uh, that is the New York Giants, uh, who have the number 7 overall pick uh, via the Chicago uh, Bears. Uh, and I think they're going to take an offensive tackle here. Uh, I thought about Charles Cross, but I don't think it'll be him. Uh, I have uh, Ikuanu, uh going at this position. I could see that happening too, and I think that that would make a lot of sense. It's either well. it's either going to be him or Cross. You know, as you mentioned, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. I think at this point, it's just going to be whoever's available. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read Coach Duffy's pick here on air. You got to go read the blog. This is epic. Oh boy, this is worth the read right here. Because obviously nobody knows the New York football giants like your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. This is true. But for me, this is where I think the Giants are going for a name that you mentioned, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau from the defensive end from right. Oregon. This is where I think they go get him. Obviously, because I in my draft I had them going to get, obviously, some help on the offensive side earlier. I think that this is where they go for the defensive here, and I think that he's going to slip down here to go get. Okay. It's a solid move, I think, for him, and especially – it, it doesn't break their bank, and especially for Dabble, if he's really going to build this team, you need to get some pressure on the Dak Prescotts of this division. I think your other two quarterbacks you don't got to worry about, but Dallas is, the, Dallas is your benchmark right now. You need to slow them down. So if you can slow them down, you got a chance to win that division. And I think with a defensive end like Thibodeau, this is the way to do it. So that's my pick for them. Interesting, though, with Coach Duffy. I, he's got some crazy scenarios. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to say, he definitely is, is – I don't want to say reaching, but I, I'm reading this. I'm going – It's coaching the Giants. Of course he's reaching. Oh, yeah, he's going some places here because, I mean, he's got trades all over the place. I'll do oh, early, Lord have mercy. I'll do an early spoiler. But it's a great read, so odphpodcast.com for that. Now we get to a team that I think – you and I will agree on the position. They're a mess. They're a hot mess, but I think we will say right now the position is a lock. Mm-hmm. If there's anything we could say safe about this draft, this is going to be a lock position. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, who is it? Uh, well, it's the Atlanta Falcons uh, drafting at the number eight position, and I think they're going to take a wide receiver. Facts. Uh, and I think it's going to be Drake London, the wide receiver from USC. I mean, listen. Atlanta fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> apologies to the Falcons fans because we broke you and haven't made you humble since you blew that 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. Uh, gone is Matty Ice. You know, Marcus Mariota is your starter. You know, I think he's going to be the starter for this year because, as I've said, none of the quarterbacks in this year's draft class really impressed me. You know, so he's he's a, he's not the guy to get you over the hump and get you to the promised land in the Super Bowl. He's just the guy to build a bridge to get you to the next guy. You know, so I don't think they're going to be taking a, a quarterback. They might take a running back here, but you got Cordell Patterson as one of your running backs. So, eh, you know, yeah. you might get something later and have him fill in. But, I mean, I'm looking at this wide receiver core. I can't pronounce half of the names. I've heard of none of them. 
you know, outside of Calvin Ridley, and, well, he's got his own issues. Mm-hmm. But you can't chuck the ball to Kyle Pitts all damn day. Yeah. You can't have Cordell Patterson catch the balls and run the balls all damn day. You need somebody to you need somebody to throw the ball to, you know, and, and I think it's going to end up being the wide receiver from USC. Who is Atlanta's pick? What is Atlanta's pick? Atlanta's pick is a clean sweep across the whole ODPH panel. We all had Drake London going from USC. Okay. And I think he's the number one wide receiver in this draft, and I think that this makes a lot of sense, obviously, for the points you touched upon. Calvin Ridley's gone, and there is literally nobody else on that team that scares you on the offensive side of the ball. Mariota is a gap filler. Yeah. That's all it is. So to get him somebody that at least will look competitive this season, I mean, the season's a wash, let's face it. Pretty much. They might be the number one pick next year. I'm, I'm I know we'll talk picks and predictions for that when we talk our NFL preview way down the road, but I'm saying right now my gut pick, Atlanta is going to be the number one next hey. year. But this will be a nice addition for them. So if you're looking for a fantasy sleeper, this would be the guy I would go take right now. Yeah. Just putting it out there. Let's see what happens. Next up, though, at lucky number nine. Yeah, that is the Seattle Seahawks who got this pick from the Denver Broncos in the trade with for uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, so I think with this one, they're going to take an offensive tackle because, hey, that offensive line has not been great for a lot of years, even when Russell Wilson was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in this instance, they are going to take uh, Char- uh, Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. I could. I actually had Evan Neal falling down my board on my picks. So I had Neal okay. going here at number nine. All right. So I think that they, I mean, they just need help across the board. They do. You got so, DK Metcalf, who, not bad. But no. outside that, you need a lot. You definitely do. I mean, there's no real right or wrong answer here. But I think for Seattle, if they are smart, this is where you start rebuilding your offensive line. And that's why I say, like, this is a great draft class for offensive tackles. Yeah. So you really can't go too wrong here. But this is a situation that for a team that you gave up your franchise quarterback about, you definitely need some help here. And I think that this would be the smart play to do. Uh, but in that division, too, you got to deal with a lot of high-powered offenses as well. Mm-hmm. So if they went mm-hmm. defense for this pick, I wouldn't be super shocked. No. But I'm thinking if they want to look like somewhat competitive for next season – you got to go offensive line here. And that's why I said. And I had Neil losing on uh, my pick here down the boards. I know, like, everybody had him really high. And I'm like, well, I think the other ones are really ranking just a little higher for me personally. But we'll kind of have to wait to see when they get on the field. And then rounding out the top 10. Yeah. So uh, it's supposed to be the New York Jets, but in, uh, the way I've got it going, it's gone to the Carolina Panthers. And I think they're going to go with Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pittsburgh. Uh, because, hey, let's face it, Sam Darnold is not good. He's afraid of ghosts, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the other guy that got a, their second string is P.J. Walker. Neither one of those exactly scare me. So I think they're going to – listen, they need a quarterback desperately. Sam Darnold just ain't the guy. He's he's a guy to have there in case of injury, but I think they're going to take a flyer here on uh, Pickett and uh, draft him at this position. Wow, that's a, that's a bold pick, bold one. Um, I'm going to say this. I think the Jets keep this pick. And unless they get wowed by somebody, I think they're going to have to. And I think that this is where they could go with some offensive help for Zach Wilson. And I think this is where they go get Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. All right. I think that it would make a lot of sense for them to go this route. I think 
if you're going to really try giving some kind of offensive dynamic, I know we said their first pick, I had him going on defense, but you still got to give Zach Wilson somebody to get the ball to. This is true. So Wilson seems like he would be a solid pick here for them. And, I mean, honestly, with the Jets, I could see them trading out too. I know everybody keeps talking about Carolina and getting back in there and such, but I, you know, I just don't see it happening. Like, for me, I think that they have enough issues going on right now that – if they unless they got really wowed by somebody that was trying to move up, right? You know, I can't see it. And the same thing with the Jets. Like I said, both of those picks are the ones really to keep an eye on because everybody is so laser focused on what they're going to do, especially with the Jets with two picks in the first top ten. I mean, that's a big move for them. You know, and I think that they would be smart to utilize them. I know there really isn't a lot of sizzle players, so to speak, this year. Yeah, and that's one thing that we didn't open with this segment for the beginning of the show because. Unlike years past, this has been a very quiet draft. Uh huh. Like you really, t- there's you really, there's really no bona fide studs. You're, you're like, oh my god, this guy's gonna go here, and it's gonna be amazing. Right. Everybody else is gonna be solid, but this is one of those years that I don't think you have a game changer on this kind of level. I just, I don't think you do. But I could be proved wrong. I mean, that's one situation with the draft is you'll find those diamonds in the rough as you go into the later rounds. That's where everybody really does their drafts. So that's why I say second, third rounds is where you really find somebody. Or when was Tom Brady drafted, Pat? Uh, sixth round at 199 overall. Yes. So as long as you're smart with your picks, you can definitely do some damage there. So before we wrap this segment up, we got to give you our picks for our team. So, Pad, you're picking at number 21 yeah. for the Patriots. Who are you thinking? I'm thinking it's going to be Andrew Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback from Clemson. I mean, listen, we got a big hole to fill at cornerback with J.C. Jackson gone for a boatload, well, a yacht load of uh, cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, obviously that's that's obviously a need we uh, position we need addressed. Uh, weren't able to quite do it in free agency. Uh, so I think Andrew Booth Jr. would be a good addition from Clemson to hopefully live uh, live up to the expectations we have with cornerbacks the last couple of years. I could see that happening. I don't think I don't think that's a bad pick at all. The Bills are picking at number twenty five, and no, we are not taking a quarterback. Um, this is going to be an interesting position for them to go get because I think every Bills fan I know has been screaming running back. I've had this. I've had some thoughts about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that happening and listen, unless there's a diamond in the rough that they want to go with. I, you know, you can try doing that. I know there has been some wild talk and I mean, wild talk. They're going to trade for Christian McCaffrey. Give him the number one pick straight up here. At Jesus 25. Christ! I've heard some. I've heard some speculation. I've heard it takes more than that to get McCaffrey. I. But it, I was just saying that this like, might, like you got to sell your soul amount of uh, capital. Carolina's funny, man. Like they're an interesting team right now because they're in such flux about what they're doing. And obviously, if the deal is to go get Baker Mayfield out of Cleveland. They're going to give up a decent amount. Not saying crazy, but they're going to give up a decent amount for him. So this could be a situation that the Bills fleece him a little bit. I don't think, though, it's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, I'd, I'd be ecstatic if they got Christian McCaffrey, but I don't think. Right. I, yeah, I don't think that. that's, I mean, a, that's a fever dream. That, yeah, I know. That's shooting for the moon right there. But I think where they're going to really take a look at is in the cornerback position. Okay. And I know the Bills have usually gone this route. And I think that, obviously, last year's playoff game, which still, I understand we changed the playoff rules about overtime. We didn't need to. The Bills lost that one outright. I've accepted it. Everybody else should, too. This is a situation that they need to go get a cornerback. 
and give some help to Tredavious White. You have to go get somebody, especially now with Tyreek Hill in the AFC East. I'm not saying Tua is going to be the second coming of Dan Marino down there. I know that here reloaded, and suddenly that's become the hot topic that he that right. suddenly he's now going to find it <laughs> and put it together. Oh boy! I mean, yeah. like, listen, I, I know there yeah. there's a lot of speculation about that, especially with a wide receiver that's already challenged to race the rest of his teammates. Kool Aid strong down in Miami. Yeah, yeah, like I say, it's crazy what's going on there. But I do like the name that I've kind of seen circulate in a couple of mock drafts, and that's Trent McDuffie from Washington. Okay. So <coughs> this would be a situation if they decided to go there, I'm completely fine with it. If they got to go get a running back, it, just be smart about it. Because obviously we took a shot with Zach Moss. The experiment has not worked. Singletary is not the every down back that everybody thought he could possibly be. He's more like a Darren Sproles in my opinion. This is a situation where the Bills will be smart about it, and especially I don't doubt them even trading out. Sure, giving up the pick to go somewhere to go a second round. This is because there's not really anybody that they need to go get per se. They traded, you know, they signed Von Miller in the offseason. Stefan got re-upped, so I'm happy with the moves now so I can breathe easy. They don't need a lot. No. So the running back position would make a lot of sense, but I honestly think it's cornerback. I think that that would be the smarter play for them to do. I think if they try going anything else, I mean, they could always try going defensive end. I mean, this draft is very loaded at position as well, too. True. Or try going offensive line. I mean, whatever help you can kind of do in those three positions I think is good. But I think at the end of the day, cornerback is the one that would jump out to me a little bit more, especially nothing against Tredavious, but he's coming back from a very, very bad knee injury. So we got to kind of see where he's going to be at. So cornerback would be where I am leading on this. There are so many storylines going on with this too, especially where are the quarterbacks going to fall? Very far. Yeah, I know everybody's high on this picket kid from Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, when I see him, I see uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Sure. One that is the prototype, the build, everything like that. But Pickett is just not screaming at me first-round pick. Yeah. Like, I think his safest bet would be to actually go to Pittsburgh. I'll put it out there right now. I think Pittsburgh will draft a quarterback here and sit behind Trubisky for a year. Probably. And that's the smart move because – I'm sorry, I'm just I'm not sold on him. I'm sorry, Pickett's just not moving the needle for me. And I know the kid from Liberty too. A lot of people are big on. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's not really screaming like draft right mm-hmm. there, like franchise guy. But that's the beauty of the draft, though. Too is we get proved wrong a lot, and to see what our everybody else kind of shapes up too. It's gonna be a fun three days if you're an NFL fan. I'm also gonna go out on a limb. Shocker of all shockers. Green Bay will take an offensive player in the first round that is not a quarterback. Does offensive line count? Mm, no. Okay. Ooh, that's a bold prediction. They're gonna they're gonna take some sort of like running back, tight end, wide receiver. They're gonna take something. It'd be smart to do. I really like them getting the wide receiver from Alabama there, All right. Williams. Okay. I think that that'd be a smart move. They could do it, but there's rumor that Kansas City is trying to get uh, some moving up there as well too. So. This is one thing about the draft. I think you're going to see a lot more movement than the years past. I think that a lot of teams really are just going to look to fill in some spots. I don't think there is really, like I said previously, there's not that sizzle player out there that's going to like reshape the franchise. I think the teams like Jacksonville and Detroit can definitely make some moves. I think Detroit actually is in a prime position to really do something. 
But to what extent, we don't know. But like we said, this is all going to go down Thursday night for round one on ESPN, NFL Network, ABC, social media. So make sure you're following uh, at OD Parlay Hour, at Coach Duffy 11. I'll be live tweeting about that as well. A lot of good storylines coming out of this year's NFL draft. But, you know, we gave you our takes. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up. Let us know. How's your team looking? What are you looking for in the NFL draft this year? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. (laughs) Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, time to talk some pro wrestling. Such good shit. Let's do it, because the talk of the wrestling world in the past 24 hours has been Monday Night Raw, if you believe. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, why is that? Uh, you had a b- couple of returns. Uh, some some, some kind of leaked out. One not really leaked out, at least from what I saw. Uh, and it's definitely got some people excited. Yeah, this past Monday Night Raw, we had the return of a, a couple fan favorites yeah. that were one was leaked out we kind of were waiting on but one yep. was a big surprise uh-huh especially given the circumstances yes so during monday night raw we had becky lynch make her return mm-hmm. after wrestlemania yep. it was kind of a big to do yep. and obviously coming out there and cut a very quick promo handling the loss at wrestlemania wonderfully yes she's she's in a sound state of mind oh <laughs> yes she is she's definitely living up to the quote unquote big time specs uh-huh. gimmick and then, lo and behold, who makes her triumphant return? Uh, the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. Yes, to a rousing ovation yeah. by the Knoxville crowd. And she came in there and uh, kind of basically challenged Becky. And I know Becky has been having some fun on social media, too, because obviously the last time they <laughs> saw each other. Uh, I handed this bitch my title. Yep. Becky handed the title to Asuka when Becky found out she was pregnant. So uh-huh. they have a, a very unique storyline going. It's going to be a fun feud to yeah. lead into the yeah. summertime. Awesome to see Asuka back. Absolutely. Because it's been a while. I know it was kind of rumored, like, when is she coming back? One of the biggest forces in the WWE's women's division. Awesome. Uh-huh. It's super exciting to see her back. She's yeah. one of the most entertaining wrestlers out there today. Yeah. But she wasn't the only one that came back because we got a big surprise. Yeah, so during one segment on the show, you had Miz doing Miz TV uh, with Theory, as he's being called now. Why they dropped the Austin name, I have no idea. Yeah, it, they're doing it with everybody, though. They, they get dumb. in these weird situations where they drop everybody's first name. The only one they've done it for that I can at least like make sense in my head is Ciampa. Tommaso, they dropped Tommaso Champa. They're just calling him Champa now. But I'm like, okay. Most everyone was already just calling him Champa anyway. Mm-hmm. Like that one, I can at least understand. All just calling him Theory. Now I have no goddamn idea. If, if you're gonna call him Theory, make sure he gets ring gear that just says Theory and doesn't have AT on it. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing, but yeah. wrestling. So you know, it's always reasons. reasons. Uh, but you had Theory on Miz TV getting interviewed by Miz and. Miz taught and him talking, and out came one Mustafa Ali. Yeah. Not Ali, Mustafa Ali, uh, back after a long hiatus and a tumultuous hiatus, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go through the uh, social media posts and the news posts. We're not going to get into the whole thing. He had his issues. He had his beefs. Didn't didn't want to do the Royal Rumble, and there's a whole long thing with it. Uh, but he came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
had a match with The Miz, uh, says he wants to challenge Theory for the United States Championship, but there was another potential angle set up that I am far more excited for. Uh, And that is after he had his match with Miz on TV last night, uh, where he picked up the win, he was walking back up the ramp and heading toward back towards gorilla position or behind the big screen. And he got jumped by somebody who's not exactly, uh, you know, unknown to jump people from time to time, especially when he has a crutch in his hand. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a crutch this time, but he still jumped Ali. And that is uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Yes. Give this to me now. This is perfect. Okay. First off, to see Ali back on TV is awesome. Yeah. Back as a as a face where I think he's all better suited than he was a heel. Yes. Because I know when we last saw him on WWE TV, he was coming off the retribution angle. As, yeah, as, which was bad. Yeah, which, I mean, he made the most of it happen as he could and then obviously got very disgruntled uh-huh. about the direction his character was going in. And Al Wright asked for his release, and we haven't seen him on TV since. It's been a while. No, there's been social media. I know that. There's a free Ali movement. Yeah, that was big, especially with the AEW crowd because yeah. they were very vocal about it. And I just hope that now that he's back on TV, they show their support. I saw a tweet about that. I yep, actually retweeted. I, I agree with it. And I'm fully supporting that. Like, if you were saying Free Ali, you better be behind him and get on social media promoting him, too. He's a fantastic talent. So Absolutely. To see, to see him thrown into this, and especially this was a high profile. And one thing that they did with this segment, too, they didn't shy away. Nope. From explaining and talking about, we uh-huh. haven't seen you on TV in a while. Yeah, so he comes out, and the first thing you know that comes out is Miz brings it up. You know, mm-hmm. do do you even still work here? And then you know, Ali goes to talk again, and this time Theory covers the mic. He goes, "Wait a minute, aren't you the guy that took his ball home and ball and went home?" Mm-hmm. There, was, there was three instances they brought it up. They did not shy away. No, they didn't. And you know what? I thought they played it perfectly. I under the circumstance, I mean, it was messy. There's no way to sugarcoat it. No, it was a messy situation going on there. But they played it up well to yeah. fans that maybe they really didn't really understand what was going on too. And to see now that he's paired with Tommaso Ciampa, who I know it came out that Vince wanted to flip the roles of a few wrestlers. Sure, that they were faces. Now he's going to make them heel. Heels sure. are going to become faces. He just says it kind of fits better. And you know what? In this situation, I think it works well. Tommaso Ciampa is one of the best heels in the business. Uh huh. And if you have any doubt of that, you should just watch his feud with Johnny Gargano. Christ, I hated the man. Yeah. He played it up perfectly. At one point, he didn't even have theme music. He just came out to a sea of booze. Uh huh. And it was one of the perfect entrances I've ever it was, seen. He was coming out with more heat than Roman came out with after he beat Undertaker at Mania. It was wild. But they played it so well. And he really sunk his teeth into it because... That is how he is as a character, and yeah. it works on so many levels. The fact you're going to give those two some time to work a program, I hope it's not a one and done. I really want to see this built into like a pay-per-view match. Uh-huh. Let them get the time. It will definitely help both of them get over. And then if you're going to do the program with Ali in theory, that works too. Sure. You know, it could work for all three of them if they really want to take it back to where you had multiple contenders for a mid-card title. Sure. We haven't done that in a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since you kind of had flip-flopping for feuds. Even if yeah. they do a triple threat, I think it would work perfectly. Oh, absolutely. They handle these situations very, very well. And I got to say, Raw has been slowly improving from what I've been able to see. It's not bad. It's, it's not, not It's not great, but it's, it's not bad. It's not great. And even when they took the time out to do the Randy Orton 20-year yeah, celebration. Because I think it was 20 years to the day, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. That Randy Orton debuted on WWE program. Yeah. How crazy is it to think, Pat? And I know you're more of a recent wrestling sure. fan. Sure. Compared to like myself or Rich from 3FN. 
to see that 20 years has gone by and see the evolution of that character and, the, mm-hmm. and, and him. And the one thing that he was thanking a lot of people in the ring, put over Mick Foley, put oh, over yeah. Shawn Michaels, Triple yeah. H, and yeah. Ric Flair. But the one thing that it stuck out to me, and I know you watch more Raw than I do. Sure. He said about how much fun he's having. Oh, yeah, and especially the he said on multiple occasions that, you know, his partnership and his tag team with tag teaming with uh, Riddle has really reinvigorated him, and he's having the most fun he's had in years. And you know what? It shows on him, too. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's the one thing that people don't realize. I mean, for being 20 years, and when he came in, he came in right around the same time as John Cena that was part oh, yeah. of the, the legendary OVW class. Oh, yeah. And Randy, I mean, the beginning of his years, he's, he was having a lot of injury issues. They were, in fact, even made fun of it at one point with the RNN. Yeah. Which was one of the most brilliant angles I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He's like, Randy, how's the shoulder? It's 82.4%. Somebody hits, he's like, ah, now it's back at the 80.6%. Like, he would just do fun stuff like that. Like, he's got great yeah. comedic timing. Oh, yeah. But once he got with Evolution and then became the legend killer, especially with Mick Foley, as he touched upon in that program. Yeah. He really found his footing, and he really started evolving. Oh, yeah. And he really took the ball and ran with it, and now he's been a mainstay, main eventer for years for mm-hmm. that company. And he's always somebody that you can put into a program, and he can definitely get somebody over. He can definitely work yeah. with somebody. And I always thought it was very touching to see the social media outpour for it, especially oh, yeah. like with Miz and John Cena and yep. you know, like everybody, because he's really come a long way from his oh, early yeah. years in oh, the company. Yeah. And to see now him being a face of the company uh-huh. and being somebody that you're seeing a lot of the younger wrestlers look up to. He's arguably, without looking at the entire roster, probably the lo- the most tenured guy in that locker room right now. Close to, I would say, yeah. I mean, Rey Mysterio might come close. Ray's up there. Ray's up, Ray's up there. Dolph Ray, is up there. Yeah, he's up there. But I think in terms of being around with WWE. Yeah, 20 years. You can't really beat that. I think Ray's the only one that comes close. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think who's been there long term. Because obviously they've had a lot of turnover in wrestling. I mean, sure. it is a business at the end of the day. So people come and go. But to see Randy be there so consistently. And then, like I say, when he got with Evolution, he really soaked in all that information. Oh, yeah. Being around Triple H and Ric Flair all the time. Oh, yeah. That definitely will help a wrestler oh, God, figure yeah. out. And, you know, just to be around and seeing how he evolved from that. And when he got his first world title and to see where he's gone there and the legendary programs he's had with people since. It's truly an astonishment in this day and age that you see somebody stay with a company like that. And especially in the pro wrestling business because it doesn't happen often. No. You see a lot of people jump ship. Not to say he was never thought about leaving WWE. Obviously, we, we've, oh, yeah. we've heard the rumors of when AEW was first starting and his contract was up. And, oh, yeah. You know, Randy did the smart play of ne- negotiating. So oh, yeah. It plays out from there. But to see him on Monday Night Raw and really exemplify how much fun he's having. Oh, God, and, yeah. and, and I think you're kind of seeing that affect that roster, too. Sure. Because I know that we've always heard about the downsides of the business, obviously, mm-hmm. the releases and such. Yeah, the miles and the time and all that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you're seeing somebody like Randy have that fun, and oh, you God, can see yeah. everybody else in the ring having it with him. Yeah. And just how he's also gone into this weird promo style where he just doesn't care. Nope. And he's just saying whatever is popping in his head. I, yep. To see how he's doing those subtle reinventions, like we always talk about how Chris Jericho does that. Yeah. Where Chris Jericho can take any gimmick and just get it over somehow that he's come up with for years. To see Randy do those small little changes and yet still get it over, mm-hmm. it's truly astonishing. 
But what a feather in the cap to WWE for this. Oh, absolutely. And a feather to Randy just for, you know, it, and like you said, it's a business where there's a lot of turnover and there's also a lot of bit, there's a lot of instances where guys get injured and that just ends a career, you know, and for a guy who was injury plagued at the start of his career to have a long and successful career to still be around and still be able to do it and still be able to go. There's a, there's a lot of guys that you reach his age, you know, the wear and tear starts showing up. You start losing a little giddy up in the step. You can't quite do the moves as well as you used to. And it's starting to show him no evidence of that. No, he's definitely still looking like he can go. He's even talked about going until he's 50. I believe it. Which I mean, at this stage, if he's having fun and that body can hold up. Sure. Why not? He's not going to ask to do any crazy ladder spots. He's no. not going to ask to do any Texas death matches for three months straight. <laughs> He's getting his chance to really spread his wings, and especially he can help out somebody like Riddle, who, I mean, let's face it, when he came up, he was a little uh, ruffling of some feathers yeah. with some of the talent up there, yeah. too. So, I mean, to see them kind of pairing off and... If Riddle's smart, he's learning a lot from Randy and just kind of taking that and going with it from there, too. It's a lot of wind going on with Monday Night Raw. Yeah. It's weird to say because the show has been so lackluster. For a while. For a while. But the recent string of shows they've had since Mania has really been you know something. Even a little before Mania, they yeah. were starting to kind of yeah. steer the ship around. Yeah. I mean, they started teasing with the Edge Faction 2, yep. which is now Judgment Day, which... If you're uh, into your wrestling history, obviously a former pay-per-view name, so who knows uh-huh. what that's going to be. But it's still those little subtle things they're doing with Raw that I think that kind of falls through the cracks a lot. Yeah. Because we always talk about SmackDown, and mm-hmm. SmackDown's the A show. I mean, there's no question of that. Two million every week. Mm-hmm. And they do that in their sleep. Yeah. When Roman Reigns can retain an NFL audience after a show, that's all you need to know about how much of an A show that is. But to see that Monday Night Raw with Cody Rhodes now is the face of Monday Night Raw, and that's uh-huh. the that's the smart play too. Uh huh. Is now picking up the steps, Pat. I mean, how are you feeling each week watching now? I mean, I'm, I'm catching it when I can. You know, I'm not watching bell to bell, but I'm I'm enjoying it. What I see more than I did because there was a time where I I stuck through and I watched a lot of shit, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of bad. But I'm liking what I see. You've got the stuff going on with the, you know all the stuff we mentioned. You know. You got the stuff going on with Ezekiel. Is he Ezekiel? Is he Elias? The tassels killed me, man. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. The Ultimate Warrior look. Holy shit. But everything going on. I didn't. When he debuted on the night after uh, uh, WrestleMania. Mania. I was like, what the fuck is this? Why are we doing this? This makes no goddamn sense. But then they started the angle with Kevin Owens in the story. And he's convinced it's not Ezekiel. It's Elias. And he's the only one who's who can see it. And nobody else sees it. Nobody else believes him. He even got Sami Zayn involved on Twitter a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And goes, look at this. Isn't And Sami goes, yeah, I think you got a case here. But I, I, he's Ezekiel. You yeah. know, so even Sami Zayn's not buying. Oh, I I love every minute of that story. When, like I said at the start of it, I didn't think I'd give two shits, but it's one of the best stories they've got going. Well, the thing is, and I think this kind of goes back to where I'll close with this segment. Raw is starting to have fun again, and you're seeing it with the wrestlers that we haven't seen this in a while. No, that usually it's been, you know, a state of like. Just flux. I mean, that's kind of the easiest way I can describe it. Sure. That now you're seeing, like, Kevin Owens is completely hamming it up and really stinking his teeth into a storyline. It, it, on paper, is so stupid, but yet it works. Yep. And is really kind of running with it that now it's become a very entertaining segment. And the fact that he's got now got the Alpha Academy involved in it, I'm, I'm here for it because I think Chad Gable's been long overlooked. Oh, yeah. On that roster. 
But to see like how that's going and see obviously with Cody Rhodes coming there and then obviously he did bring a fan base with him. Not saying the ratings are exploding no. with the show, but there are AEW fans that are tuning in to see oh, him. Yeah. And to see how he's running and see how he's happy. I mean, granted, he just got paid, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> I could understand why. But to see how he now has a little more energy in him going into these matches. Oh, yeah. And then to see how Randy Orton now has really reinvented himself and he's now having fun. And the fact that he publicly came out and said it, I thought was very, very telling. Because... Randy has never really opened up like this. Like no. I mean, he's always been Randy. He's always been, you know, the stories have always been out, you know, about Randy just being kind of very serious and, you know, just not as enjoying this as much as people thought he was. But to see how he's just really embraced it and was and is running with it, I think is just so much of a feather in the cap for WWE. If you're a longtime fan, Raw might be worth tuning back in here and there to catch up on. Not yeah. saying it's a perfect show no. by any means. Even even Tyler from Thirty and Nerdy, who was at the show uh, Raw last night. Said, you know, he was in the attendance. He said, listen, it was a great show. It wasn't perfect, you know, by any means, but no show is. No show is. No show ever is. I know that we get very critical when we do our reviews of AEW on 607 TWS. Sure. There is bright moments in each wrestling organization. Are there bad ones? Sure. Not every match is a five-star match or seven dumpsters or, you know, <laughs> ten rings or whatever, you know, the your counting is. Yeah. But... To see that a roster is actually excited, and you can kind of tell by the body language. I mean, sure, they're going out in character, and they're doing their thing. But to see how it's reflected and see how the audience is really buying into it as well, that's the key right then and there. Uh huh. And to see where the debuts came back, everybody was super excited to come back. You can even see Ali was coming back. From all the crap that he went through during his time away. Smile on his face. Smile on his face. Happy to be a face in the organization again. I'm hoping they really let him run with the U.S. title. I really would hope we see that at some point. He's way talented. He's got to get that time. And I think that, you know, with certain wrestlers, their natural faces are natural heels. Sure. He's a natural face. He always has been. But to see how he's back and Asuka's back. WWE is reloading for the summer. Not saying they're going to take over and you know do all these epic shows, but I think they're taking the steps in the right direction that for fans that tuned out, you're given small pieces of incentive to tune back in. And I think they're also building to something big when it comes to SummerSlam because that's obviously the next major big... There's obviously pay-per-views between now and then, but the next big one. Finn Balor's obviously been in a feud with Damian Priest, who's in Edge's faction. Who did Edge face at WrestleMania? Oh, AJ Styles. I think what they might be setting up for down the road at SummerSlam, Edge and Damian Priest versus Finn Balor and AJ Styles. Give it to me. Oh, my God. If they don't get to that point, I'm going to throw something. The only thing I that might throw that off, but I don't – I let me, let me word it like this. I know it was announced about the AEW versus NJPW show yeah. coming in June. Yeah. Depending on what time frame they do that. If they want to hold it off till SummerSlam, I think it'd be good because it'd be in August. Sure. Because I think if they did it too close to that, you know, the Bullet Club references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would take away from that match. Yeah. But I, I'm on board with that match, though. I hope that does happen. And, yeah, if they could come out to some Bullet Club stuff, that'd be awesome, too. Yeah. Either way, Monday Night Raw might be worth tuning in. Definitely hit up Tyler from 30 and Nerdy if you want a little more recap about Monday Night Raw. Hit up Pad because he's always watching Monday Night Raw as well. Yeah, Randy Orton also opening up. Just found out he plays Elden Ring. What the fuck? 2022, man. 
Uh-huh. It's a wild year. Uh-huh. It's wild and it's getting even crazier too. And if you want even more pro wrestling talk, make sure to tune in to 607TWS and Blogs Count Anywhere on odphpodcast.com on the parlay points. A lot of stuff going on. We like to talk some wrestling. Now we want to talk to you about some wrestling after the show. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag odphpod. Monday Night Raw, AEW, Indie Scene. Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Got to talk a little local minute. Uh, let's talk some Binghamton Black Bears hockey. And unfortunately, the Binghamton Black Bears season has come to an end. Uh, they did make it into the playoffs, and they had a best-of-three game series uh, against Danbury. They took the first game by the final score of 5-4. to four. This was on April 18th. Uh, this was at home at the Veteran, Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, the following two games were in Danbury. Uh, they did, I should note, win the first game in overtime. Uh, and then they lost the remaining two games by the final score of five to four in overtime, and then five to three. So Binghamton is eliminated from the playoffs, uh, and the, they are off uh, for season until October, November, whenever it is. Uh, so hey, not a great way to have the playoffs, but hey, first year, not bad. First year, and we did not get the chance to go to any games. Life was busy. Life has been busy for the podcast, but I will say this. I have heard nothing but positive comments coming about the league and how the Black Bears have really tried making it very accessible to come down for games. They've really gone out of their way to really make a big deal of of coming to the arena, and and they've really been pushing it. And I do like that. I really respect that. I think that that's something the arena definitely needs, in my opinion. Absolutely. So the fact that they did that is great, and then we just got to kind of wait to see what happens in the offseason here. I mean, there's there's so much talk in the offseason. There's rumors if you want to drink the Kool-Aid about it, but as long as we have some kind of hockey in here, this is Hockey County at the end of the day. Very true. We'll be talking about the playoffs in the NHL next week, but I, it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned. So kudos on the first year. Yeah, and then uh, we got to talk some Binghamton Rubble Ponies news uh, because the season has started. Uh, looking at their set of games, they are looking at the standings, I should say. Uh, they're currently in fourth place of the Eastern League uh, in the AA uh, Minor League Baseball. You've got the Portland Sea Dogs, who are the AA affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. They're in first place at 9-6. and six. Somerset, which is the affiliate of the New York Yankees, tied with them in first place, also at 9-6. and six. New Hampshire, who is uh, affiliated with the Toronto Blue Jays, in third at 8-7. and seven. Uh, you've got the Hartford, which is affiliated with the Colorado Rockies. They are seven and eight. Binghamton, who of course is affiliated with the New York Mets, are four and ten. And then you've got Reading, who are affiliated with the shouldn't surprise you. It's in Philadelphia. It's in Pennsylvania. They're affiliated with the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are four and eleven. Uh, so looking at their games they had from this past week, uh, they had a uh, they closed out their season uh, series against Bowie on uh, Sunday the seventeenth. Uh, with a 9-6 win that was Rowdy's Extravaganza because, of course, it was Easter. Uh, they then came back with a 1-2-3-4-5-6 game series against the Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, they lost their game on Tuesday, fought final score of 5-6, won their next game 6-1, uh, to uh, got blown out in their game on Thursday the 21st, 12-5, to uh, lost on Friday 3-2, to lost again on Saturday 4-3, uh, uh, and then got blown out on Sunday, thirteen to five. 
Yikes. Yay. Uh, that was all on the uh, The Portland series was on the road. They do return home for a series uh, against Erie. Uh, that starts on Tuesday. Uh, game time, 635. All of the games up through Saturday, so uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all are at 635 uh, Eastern. Uh, the game on Saturday is of at 105 Eastern. We should note that. Should note also, it appears uh, this coming Friday is going to be co- uh, College Color Wars. Uh, mm. And then Saturday is Sweet Treat Saturday. So something tells me there's going to be some good uh, sweet goodies down at the ballpark on Saturday. Uh, more information, uh, tickets, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Very cool seeing baseball yeah. back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then got to talk some uh, UFC because we do have a UFC on ESPN card taking place this sa- uh, Saturday, April 30th from the Apex. Starts at 8 o'clock Eastern. Prelims are at 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN Plus uh, in ESPN2. Main card is on ESPN Plus and ESPN. Got to talk the uh, two main fights uh, in the co-main event in the heavyweight division. You have Andre Arlovsky taking, taking on Jake Collier. Still blows my mind Arlovsky's fighting to the stage of the game. The Ageless like, Wonder. God bless him like uh-huh. i i'm just hoping he's not getting too much damage in this one collier i would take in this but every time i go against Orlowski, he pulls something out this from is true. somewhere this is true so i'm gonna go with collier this should be a pretty short fight but Orlowski likes proving me wrong so we are Orlowski, the ageless wonder uh and then in the main event in the bentonweight division you have rob font taking on marlon vera this is gonna be a fun fight this is going to be the reason you tune in. And I think both of these guys really got some title shot implications going on with this, depending on how things ban out. Obviously, we know Aljamain Sterling is bantamweight champion. This is a perfect time for somebody to make some noise and get up here. Vera is no slouch. I know he kind of gets forgotten about a lot of times. Rob Font's always a contender, always in the top talk, top five, top ten talk. Sure. So this is going to be some fireworks. I fully feel this. I am going to go with Vera in the upset. I think that Vera is going to just give him a little too much pressure, get his striking going on a little bit, and I think that he's going to give Font some fits at the beginning, that he's going to win those early rounds. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a close fight. I could see this going decision. Yeah, I think so. But I, I'm going to say Vera is in the upset, though. I'm going to say that, Vera as well. That's going to be my final pick for that. And then we have some breaking news. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, it has been announced uh, by the NCAA that President Mark Emeritt will be stepping down when his replacement is selected and in place or on June 30th, 2023, the NCAA announced uh, as we record. Uh, so the, the, the what is it, Emeritt put out a press release that reads as, quote, uh, throughout my tenure, I've, I've emphasized the need to focus on the experience and priorities of student-athletes. I am extremely proud of the work of the association over the last 12 years and especially pleased with the hard work and dedication of the national office here, sta- national office staff here in Indianapolis. Uh, he went on to say, with the significant transitions underway within college sports, the timing of this decision provides the, S- the association with consistent leadership during the coming months, plus the opportunity to consider what, uh, what will be be the future role of the president uh so yeah we're gonna have a new ncaa president here uh, in the, within the next year crazy times man yeah it's definitely a little wild to see uh for my little basis uh more mma talk okay so it was announced that chris cyborg after she retained her bellator women's featherweight title uh-huh. in a very very uh one-sided fight um she is now going to be looking to be a free agent this summer Ooh. So the question goes, where is Cyborg going to be heading? So this is going to be a th- situation that I think 
the UFC could be very smart about and book her at least for one fight. Yeah. Give us the Nunez rematch. I think that that has to be what is going to be the case. Yeah, I think I think that's about all the USC has going for it because I know she did an interview where she was asked about it over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And that one of the issues she brought up is she's like, she was essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, she goes, yeah, I could, but like you've got everybody fighting up in a higher weight class than I am. You'd have to, it'd be the same situation she was in before. You'd have to bring people down to her. Yeah. So I, I think if she's going to do anything there, I think that would make a lot of sense. I know that she could always re-up with Bellator. I mean, that could always happen. Yeah. It, it just really depends on what she's looking to do. So, like I said, but as it's reported here on ESPN.com, that, yeah, she has said that she will be a free agent this summer, to quote. So, I could see that happening, and I, th- and I think UFC would be foolish not to book that fight. I will say this, though. There was an idea that popped in my head. Okay. I think that another alternative route, and I and hear me out when I say this. Yeah, sure. I think she should go to AEW. Well, maybe. Here's the reason why. I think that Cyborg has done pretty much everything she can do in the world of MMA, other than have that rematch with Nunez. I mean, sure, you could fight a couple other fighters here and there, depending on what organization you want to go to, sure. But I could see her making that transition over to pro wrestling. And I think for AEW, not mm-hmm. WWE, because yeah. I think in WWE, yeah. Listen, there's only one fight they'll make, and and I can already tell you the yeah. the outcome is Ronda wins. Yeah. If you put her over in AEW, and you kind of do like a, a Jake Hager deal sure. where you could fight on MMA on the time yeah. and what, yeah, that could be a noteworthy addition to your women's division, uh, and potentially a needed shot in the arm. Yeah, that I think that you could definitely have her come in, be like the unstoppable monster. Yeah. Have her have some great matches with the likes of Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho. Yeah. I'd love to see her face off with Jade Cargill. I think that'd be a great thing. Her and Nyla Rose could th- that would be, mm-hmm. you know, some great matches there. Yeah. There is a possibility because she could generate a buzz. It's not going to be as big as Ronda. No. But, but it's, it's a name. But it's a name, and it would be a shot in the arm like you touched upon with AEW. Yeah, yeah. I would say that that would be something I would like to see. And I know it was kind of talked about here and there before yeah, uh, yeah, wrestling, yeah. so that's why I'm kind of throwing it out in the ether right now. I can see it. Yeah, because honestly, at this stage in the game for her, if you're not fighting Amanda Nunez again, like, who's left? Right. And that's and that's the one thing about it. So I just I don't think that it's even close, and I think that that's the fight they need to make there. Right. So we'll kind of have to wait to see what happens this summer. Like I said, it just it came across the radar that she announced that she'll be a free agent this summer. And I'm saying if Tony Khan wants to put her in either AEW or if whatever is going to be the future of Ring of Honor, right? that's a perfect landing spot, for, in my opinion, for her. And to close out, actually speaking of some AEW, I forgot to mention this as well. They're doing, Pat, because I know that you are not following AEW, the Owen Hart uh, Foundation Qualifier Tournament. They're yes. Doing, they're doing a big buildup for that. Yes. They did announce a match this past week that definitely threw me a little off guard, but they've added something to it. Mm-hmm. So on Dynamite this week is going to be the Battle of FTR. Ooh. So Cash Wheeler is going to face Dax Hardwood. First time ever, last time ever. They said they're just, <laughs> you know, they want to do it for the tournament. And FTR has been doing a couple solo matches here and there. And they're yeah. they're great. I mean, yeah. no matter, they're one of the best tag teams on the planet. And they're going to do this a la Brett Owen style. Yeah. I, I fully see this happening. It has been announced, as the press release came to us from yep. AEW, yep. that one CM Punk will be a guest commentator. Interesting. Now, 
I'm guessing because they're, it's probably going to be an homage to Bret and Owens' match from way back when. Probably, and yeah. I, and I know that a lot of CM Punk's work, in my opinion lately, has been an homage to Bret Hart. I know that there was the talk that AEW wanted Bret Hart to come to manage mm-hmm. FTR, or mm-hmm. FTR wanted him to come and manage whatever the case is. Allegedly so, and obviously rumor has it that might not be going down. Yep. I know it's scheduled for one indie show, and that'll probably be it. Yep. Either way. I think this is going to be a fun match to watch. Should be. I'm hoping they get. I'm hoping they make it the opener and they give it time. That would be smart. That's the only thing. I I don't want to see this get lost in the shuffle because we have to have an undisputed elite promo. Because I think if that happens, I'm going to lose it on Twitter. That would be the smart move. But we always know that Smart and Tony Khan don't always go together in the same sentence. Right. So fingers crossed for that. But I'm going to tell you what. If you really want to see a fun match this week, old school as it gets. The Battle of FTR, one and done for this. I'm here for it. So definitely make sure to tune into AEW this week and go watch for yourself. So that being said, the music you heard at the beginning of the show is that of Brian Wolf. We know Brian. Brian's not into pro wrestling. He's no, into football. Yeah, he, he is. He'll, he'll talk Packers with you. But, Pat, if I want to find out about Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing it over music section. Check out everything about Brian. Everything is shot at the robots. Everything with Floodland, Second Suit, or Tom Shuttle, Yard Party. The list goes on and on and on. That's why you need to go over to the page and go check it out. But while you're at the website, check out Parlay Points, which I mentioned, a new Blogs Count Anywhere is out right now for your reading pleasure, where we talk GCW, we talk Glory Pro Wrestling out of St. Louis. Had a fantastic card on YouTube, Pad. Ooh. You would love it, actually. Okay. So I definitely got to send you that link for that. And also talking some AEW there as well, too. Some other topics that we don't talk about on the 607 Podcast family. I like to kind of have a little words with there to the ODPH Society about. And also, while you're at the website, check out the classified section, which has uh, friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions, doing their four-year extravaganza this week. Nice. Yes, watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Hey. The Gene Wilder version. Okay, good. Yes, yeah, good, not, good, good. not, not the, the Johnny Depp one. Good. Yes. Uh, so that'll be on twitch.tv slash 67 podcast. That's going to be a fun night. Uh, we got a lot of stuff lined up for that Saturday night, I'm telling you right now. Also, we have got uh, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. Pod groups that we are in via their pod chaser pages. So if you're not in there, uh, we need to fix that if you're in our groups. So definitely shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And, of course, shout out to hashtag 67 Podcast. T Public Store sale going on this week. No better way to walk into May than with some new ODPH swag. Mm-hmm. So all that, the directory, which how many providers are we on now, Pat? Uh, 26,652. Correct. So if we're not on your favorite podcast player, let us know. We'll fix that. All that and so much more. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Pat J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
hard to know. 